grace and peace to you and Merry Christmas. I'm Vicar Derek Kabilis, and this is Worship at Home for the 27th of December in the year of our Lord 2020. Well, we did it. We had Christmas Eve in our back parking lot. And guys, I, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, honestly, the whole night was just epic and magical. It was like this symbol of perseverance and hope. To, to gather in the middle of a plague, in the middle of a snowstorm, and still proclaim the incarnation of the Son of God. It was an experience that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. And I know that, that some of you didn't come out because of that snowstorm, and, and, and that's totally okay. I don't blame you a bit. I completely understand. Even my parents stayed home. It was nasty outside, and I want you to be safe. But I do want to warn you, and I am supposed to be on vacation this week. So it'll be a little while before my sermon from that night gets up on the pod. But in the meantime, I still want to thank you all. I want to thank you for your strength and your tenacity. Not just for making Christmas Eve possible. Um but for your grit and your determination throughout this crazy difficult year and, and for your faith, not only in Christ, but in the church. You guys have shown this world time and time again that church cannot be stopped. That there is a power in this family of saints and sinners that comes from the Holy Spirit and lives on even in the most dire of circumstances, a fire that cannot be quenched, a love that will burn bright through even the coldest night. So as we sing our first hymn this morning, as we gather together spiritually, if not physically, remember that you are part of a mystical family, a family that found its beginning in a cave filled with animals on the outskirts of Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And thanks be to God, that family is as strong as ever. Amen. First, our candle prayer. Please pray with me. Holy and immortal God, light within our hearts a lantern by which we can see and be seen a light by which we can know and be known, a passionate flame by which we can love and be loved. 
Never let darkness overtake us as individuals or our church. In every circumstance, let us feel the warmth of your glow, inspiring our minds, thrilling our hearts, and guiding our paths. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. passage for this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, what we call the prologue to the Gospel of John. It's the first chapter, verses 1 through 5, and then 10 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not grasp it. He was in the world. And the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, 
and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. Those who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of a man, but of God. And so the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish to preach to you this morning from the title, Colors in the Black. Colors in the Black. Please pray with me. And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was December of 2011. <clears throat> and I was in one of my favorite places in the whole world, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. But the thing was that I wasn't feeling very well. As most of you know, I was born with something called a, a clubbed foot. And over the years, when I was a child, I had all these massive reconstructive operations on my ankle. And as I grew into adulthood, the pain just got worse and worse. Especially when I had a lot of walking or standing to do. And I remember being so frustrated that day. Sitting on a bench in that museum. Thinking about how I couldn't enjoy the, the artwork that I was surrounded with. How I couldn't enjoy the city. And, and, and to a certain extent I, I wasn't even enjoying my own life just because this terrible pain always got in the way. And I was sitting there on that bench uh, with my head in my hands, just, just frustrated and sad and angry. And I looked up and I saw a painting hanging on the opposite wall, kind of far away. And it was nothing but a, a black square painted on a canvas. And, and this is the kind of modern art that I think most people make fun of, right? That they say, oh, well, uh, surely I could do something like that. I mean, I don't know what's so great about a big black square. Um, and, and so I rolled my eyes and kind of thought, okay, I wonder what this is about. Maybe hopelessness or something is the artist talking about the darkness of human existence the the universal reality of death or something like that but then uh, 
almost like how you can start to see the stars once your eyes begin to adjust to the darkness. I began to see color in that black square. And I had to, to shake my head and rub my eyes. But no matter what I did, it just wouldn't go back to being black. I thought it might have been my pain medicine starting to kick in. <laughs> but eventually I got up and I limped over to it and just stared straight into that black square. And sure enough, I saw emerge from the sheer darkness these blocks of red and green and even yellow. So I read the little card that hung next to it. And it said it was a, a work by a German artist named Odd Reinhardt. And sure enough, I looked it up on my phone and it said there wasn't even a single drop of purely black paint on the entire canvas. You see, what Odd Reinhardt had done was create the deepest colors in the history of paint. You know, in truth, that square was made up of boxes of cherry red and canary yellow and oak leaf green, these, these very vibrant base colors, but the shades were so deep that if you didn't stare right at them, if you didn't spend time in front of it, if you didn't confront what appeared to be pure blackness, you'd never see the color at all. Seven months later, I woke up screaming in St. Thomas Hospital, having had that nasty old ankle of mine finally amputated. See, what you gotta know was that there was a problem that day in the hospital. Remember all that pain medication? I was taking a lot of it back then, and it was all prescribed by my doctor. But I was taking something uh, that's about ten times more potent than morphine. I was taking something called methadone, which is essentially a synthetic heroin. And, and I needed all that just to, to sort of get through my day because the ankle hurts so bad. And the thing is, when you start taking medicine like that, pretty soon you have to take more and more to get the same effect. So by the end... In 2011, 2012, I was taking so much that the amount that they would give uh, a normal person after having an amputation, an operation like that, the, the, the normal kind of, of pain medicine they would prescribe post-operative would have zero effect on me whatsoever. And the problem was the paperwork 
somehow never made it from my pain doctor to the hospital. So the hospital could only give me the same amount of pain medicine that they would give anyone else. And for me, with my tolerance level, it might as well have been Tylenol. I screamed on and off for eight hours. I would wake up, be overtaken with pain, and scream until until the darkness sort of closed in around me. I'd get this tunnel vision and the darkness would creep in through the sides and then I would pass out. And then a few minutes later, I'd wake up again and and, and scream, and then the darkness would eventually return, and I'd pass out again. At some point during the day, however, all I remember is waking up in the darkness to to that, that terrible pain, the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my whole life, and then for a brief moment the pain began to subside and I opened my eyes and I looked all around me and all I could see was this beautiful shimmering color it was like everything around me was um uh, covered with color. It, it, it wasn't like everything was, was colored differently, like my vision was different. It, it wasn't like there was a bright um, uh, colored uh, light shining on things. No, everything was covered with the light that this this color was covering everything in the room with these brilliant blues and pinks and silvers and golds, just washing everything in the room with what appeared to be a a kind of luminescent liquid. But I I couldn't tell where it was coming from. I I looked at the ceiling in in every corner in the room, but I I couldn't find the source of this beautiful, colorful, liquid light until finally I looked down and I saw that it was spraying and flowing from my now-severed leg like a fountain bathing everything around me in sheer beauty. And then, just as quickly, the color was gone. The tide of pain rushed back in around me and pushed me out again into the darkness of unconsciousness. Now, I think any doctor would tell you that the color I saw that day was no mystical divine vision. I think any doctor would probably have to admit that it was probably just a massive hallucination that was produced by a pain and drug-addled brain 
under intense stress, the most intense stress it had ever been through. And, and I don't doubt that they would be right. But you know what? Right then and there, it didn't matter. Because the light flowing from my leg, the color just spraying from that severed limb meant something to me. I think what it meant was that out of this terrible hurt, out of this tragedy that I was experiencing, somehow blessing would flow. Somehow light would shine. Somehow grace would abound. And I I didn't know how or when or why, but in that moment, I, I saw that even in the midst of the bleakest blackness, somehow God shines through. Boy, we've all been struggling. And I don't know what, what you personally have struggled with, what you've been carrying with you, the the pain you've nursed through 2020, the, the wounds you, you've sustained. But I know that, that there is darkness out there. I can feel it every time I talk to somebody over the phone. Sometimes I know it feels like, like the entire year is just a meaningless black box hanging on a wall. And, 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 and sometimes it, it feels like a black tide washing over your consciousness. Uh, we all have it, right? To be human in a fallen world is to experience pain. It's to experience loss and loneliness and and isolation. That's always true, but it's especially true in 2020. And we can pretend those feelings aren't there. We can try to numb them with all manner of chemicals. But at the end of the day, for everyone, in some form or another to a greater or lesser degree there is a darkness you know I think darkness is actually a really important part of Christmas you know we think of Christmas time as being about merriment and joy and hope and, and it is all those things. It, it certainly is. But what we forget is that it's all those things covered by and hidden within darkness, right? The darkness of a wandering family trying to find shelter and care for a mother that's about to give birth. The darkness also of, of a genocide, right? Remember King Herod proclaiming that, that all the firstborn of Israel must be murdered? The darkness of being born in a cave, in a manger, next to filthy animals, with no comfort and no sanitation. 
Do you know why Christmas is on December 25th? Uh, believe it or not, there are some scholars that think that it is actually an ancient mistake of calendar keeping. The intention, some think, originally around the 3rd century, 4th century, excuse me, the intention of the church fathers was to place Christmas Eve directly on the winter solstice as a symbol that when the darkness would be at its height, when night ruled the earth, it was at that very moment that we would celebrate a single star appearing over Bethlehem. In God's light would begin the arduous task of retaking the world. You see, my friends, that's why God had to become one of us. That's why God had to step down from heaven and, and immerse God's self in our experience of the world. Immerse God's self in our pain, in, in our grief, in our frustration, in our confusion. That is why the word became flesh and walked among us. Because the color is so much more beautiful when it emerges from the black. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now I want to offer you the opportunity to please... Have a moment of prayer in whatever form or style you wish. Um, if you're gathering with your family, um, everyone can take a turn to pray if they want, or everyone can pray silently. If you'd like, you can always refer to our newsletter for a complete list of all those in our community who desire your prayers. May the Lord be with you. Let us pray.
Now you might be wondering why there's a big black box on the top of the worship service we downloaded today. That is an actual digital image of the Odd Reinhardt painting I was talking about in my sermon. I'm not sure at all if you'll be able to see the colors or the cross pattern on your screen or on your mobile device. But if you search for it online, there are some versions where they just blow out the brightness and the contrast of the image so you can actually make out the color pretty well. Anyway, the one thing I want you to remember this year is that in the Christmas tradition, Christmas does last for a full 12 days. That's 12 days of celebration, that's 12 days of singing, 12 days of feasting. So between now and January 6th, even if you have to go back to work or do some chores around the house, whatever it is, I hope you take a little time and celebrate Christmas each day. In 2020, in 2021, I think celebrating a full 12-day Christmas feast is a necessity for us all. Amen. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you, now and always.